Hey everyone, it's Kobe. And it's Kyle. And welcome back to The Healing Circle. So we have another episode for you guys. Last week, Kyle dropped a bomb. He <laughs> um, honestly and openly and vulnerably shared about his addiction to pornography. And honestly, the responses that we got back were really encouraging. I think sometimes when you're sitting in your little studio aka closet <laughs> recording <laughs> while you professional closet yes recording while you pray that your toddler doesn't hop out of their big boy bed it can feel like dang we we're really about to put you know this information out on the interwebs the unforgiving interwebs of all uh, on front places. street yeah but you know it's just a reminder that there is power in us being vulnerable and power in us boasting in our weakness and so Again, I'm very proud of you for that. Um, honestly, I think there are a lot more conversations about people who struggle with um, sex addiction, addiction to pornography, yeah. addiction to uh, masturbation, any of that. Then there are resources for people who are partnered with them, people yeah. who are dating them, people who are engaged to them, people who are married to them. Yeah. You know, like it makes me think about like Transformation Church. I, I haven't listened fully to all to you know what he was talking about and the relationship goals but i would have loved to hear from natalie like what's it like being married to a decade of someone who you know struggles with that type of addiction because it's personal in every way it's personal to the person engaging in it and it's also personal to whoever you are dating yeah um, married yeah. to, uh, you know, in relationship you. with, yeah, perfect in relationship with. Um, so, uh, in this episode, Kyle is going to ask me questions, questions that um, people may want to know for someone who is partnered with someone who struggles with this addiction. What's it like being yeah. with somebody in relationship with someone who's addicted to porn? And so, Kyle is going to take the reins and he's going to ask me some questions. Finally, it's my podcast. Oh, my God. Um, uh, The Healing Circle with Kyle and Kobe. Um, Kyle first. Um, Now, thank you, babe, for for opening up this space to be open and honest about the other side of this. Um, We've had a lot of conversations about how this affects relationship um, and marriage, and we could have dozens of conversations about this, but I I think, you know, we're trying to kind of keep it all in one. So I would love to get first, just your general thoughts about what it means to be in relationship with someone who is addicted and in two specific facets first. Okay. First, um, what were your thoughts about porn and porn addiction in regards to being in a relationship before you got in one. Mm. Um, I don't know if it's even something that partners think of as it even being something that will have to be navigated. As someone who's a male um, and only knows a bunch of men who deal with this in some way, shape, or form, I'm always like, oh, this will have to be navigated at some point in your relationship. Mm, but I, I don't know that. if that's happening on the other end. Yeah, no. Um I didn't I didn't think about it at all, to be honest. I didn't wow. think about it. I didn't even know it was as common as it was until I became a Christian and realized that like all the men in Christian community I was with 
struggled with this. Yeah. <laughs> um, honestly, I felt because the the kind of people, and this is gonna sound judgmental, but just being honest, because the kind of people that openly talked about watching porn were people that I wouldn't necessarily hang out with or guys that I wouldn't necessarily date. Yeah. Because they were the only people talking about it openly and honestly. I thought they were the only type of people who had pornography addiction, period. Oh, right. Wow. And so that makes sense. But yeah, wow. Right. And so, you know, becoming your friend and knowing that this is something you struggled with when we were just platonic friends, um, becoming your friend and then your girlfriend, um, and realizing this is something that you dealt with, honestly uh, expanded my capacity for empathy. And mm. kind of, like, humanized the people that I had demonized in my heart because I kind of felt like, oh, like, no, only, only like, people who are, like, depraved <laughs> deal with this. Like, only people yeah. who are just, like, so far gone. And, like, these are the people who are, like... The creepy uh, person that yeah. lives in, you know... Yeah, a, the guy who makes you basement. uncomfortable and you're like, yeah. I do not want to be in a room alone with him. Like, he was the kind of guy who talked about porn openly. And so I really thought that was the only type of guy that watched porn at all, much less was addicted to it. Wow. Um, that is, it makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. Um, but just goes to show that very often the only reason that it comes up in, say, like Christian communities is because in Christian community, it's talked about as something that is not normal. Yeah. And not healthy. Yeah. Outside of that, it's just kind of like it is normal. Yeah. And it's just expression, you know, and it's kind of given this very neutral tone to it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, go ahead. It makes me think about when I showed you. So I, um, because I'm very pregnant right now, I'm in um, a mommy forum, mommy to be forum for what not to expect. And there are thousands of women who on this forum, obviously I don't know them personally, don't know their names. So all of this is confidential. But thousands of them who have been posting, like, hey, I caught my husband watching porn. Hey, I caught my husband masturbating in the shower. Hey, I caught blah, blah, blah. Right? And for many of them, it was like, and I didn't even know this was something my husband was interested in. <laughs> you mm. know? And the kind of porn that I caught him watching would shock you. You know? like, yeah. And it's kind of like them realizing, because, again, I think this is why the conversation we're having today is important. Um, for them, it was personal. It was like that girl you're getting off on looks nothing like me. Mm. You know, that woman that turned you on, that woman that you really want to be looking at when I'm absent looks like resembles me in no way. Yeah. You know, and so it's a bunch of <laughs> women all in our seventh or eighth month of pregnancy. Very large, very much so looking unlike um, what we would, what feels like ourselves, you yeah. know. Um, and it's just like this really big community of women who are just like, I'm heartbroken. Uh, does my husband even want me? I'm having a child with this person and, and they're like watching other people and, you know, so just made me think about that. Yeah. Well, no, I think, I think that's a good next place to go because when I speak to, people about this especially those who are kind of entering into this whole new world of um, something that has to be directly approached mm. um, as far as like getting healthy yeah um, I speak to men who I have to kind of help navigate almost bitterness towards 
the person opposite them in their relationship. Bitterness in the sense of they don't understand how difficult it is to be just to be alive in this um in the in the current climate of how like um it's almost like i've you know what i've heard someone term it this way it's like oh it's like you're hungry and you're walking down um one of those streets where there's nothing but food vendors and people don't understand why you would why you would go and <laughs> and buy a kebab it's mm. like well no like i'm i'm hungry i can smell the food i can see it it looks good like why wouldn't i this mm. sense of like oh it's so normal and understandable that a guy might see something and find himself in this situation and because so many men have that same perspective where no one had to for the most part no one had to tell them that they were attracted to whatever they saw they felt it yeah. and they move forward and i'm not saying that women aren't attracted by what they see but clearly there is something different yeah. right because while there are women who struggle with this issue as well even the ones that i've spoken to would say that it happens for different reasons um that the genesis is a little different it doesn't necessarily sound the way that many of the guys do and so humanize your perspective for for maybe the person who is who doesn't see something wrong with this yeah. who like knows that it's not maybe optimal but doesn't understand what's actually happening for you emotionally and personally and the pain that it can bring up like help it make sense to someone who hasn't ever had that conversation before. yeah i wouldn't um and i struggle with making like parallel examples because i feel like i just don't understand in this way fully the male perspective enough to make a like the perfect parallel it yeah. would be like but like it um honestly for men it would be like your wife sleeping with another man hmm. and being like man i just can't help it i'm really sorry and then like you being like this absolutely shatters my heart why would you give yourself in any capacity to another person in a way that particularly means something to me? Yeah. And then just kind of being like, well, I can't, I can't help it. Right. Like I just, it's really hard to not have sex with other men, but I expect you to be fully faithful to me as you have, if, as I have sex with other men, I need you to be fully faithful to me and I need you to be kind to me. Yeah. And I need you to continue to give your body to me, knowing that I'm giving it to someone else. Yeah. And I need you to hold this secret, even though it burdens you emotionally, physically, spiritually, mentally. And I need you to make sure that I'm getting exactly what I want. <laughs> right. But mm -hmm. it's almost like just thinking of a male parallel. It's like giving your your spouse permission to go sleep with whoever they want and then being told, be kind about it. Be kind in your response. <laughs> You know, hold them and hug them and tell them that they're loved and they're seen as they go out and do something that hurts you in a way that is so personal, you know? Yeah. And it's like, I, if I'm just being candid as a person, not as a therapist, if addiction to pornography, masturbation, sex was something that was more female heavy, I don't think there would be this much charity hmm. towards it. If it was like, man, women, I mean, like, you think about how the same men who wanted to degrade women for WAP are the same men who are addicted to porn. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> you know, like just talking about just literally just talking about consensual sex, not saying that I think this is great or whatever, but literally a woman talking about consensual sex with a partner elicits that response from a man. Yeah. Now imagine if she was actually going out and doing that with somebody else. Yeah. And you were and you were told to to maintain fidelity. You can like in the midst of all of this, you cannot find solace in, in sharing this information with your friendships. Mm-hmm. You cannot, you know, share this with your family. You cannot share this with anyone. You have to carry this burden alone and you have to make sure that you carry yourself in a demeanor that does not look like you're hurting, even though you're crushed. Yeah, you have to you have to promote grace in a yeah. really sacrificial way. That's like that's a lot. You know, like that is actually divine. You yeah, know? it really does feel like the definition of like dying to yourself. And then on top of that, being told, expect that this may never go away. Yeah. I don't know a single man who would stay wor- married to a woman. And this is not like me attacking anyone, but just being honest. I don't know a single man who would stay married to a woman that they would let cheat on them sexually for decades. Mm-hmm. And knowing that they're going to do it. Just saying, yeah. like, you know what? It is what it is. I love them anyways. And then also continue to give themselves physically to that. Yeah. I don't know any man. And so I think that it's hard for women because I think there's this very heavy, silent burden that a lot of us are carrying on behalf of our spouses um, that the world just kind of says, well, well, because he's a man. Like, kind of what you said. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't understand how hard it is being a man. Like, this is so difficult. I'm doing the best I can. You should be happy that I'm doing it this many times and not this many times. Mm-hmm. You should be happy it's just porn and not actually cheating. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, physical interaction. And it's like, okay. But if this was your wife doing this to you, would this be the same conversation? Yeah. And so to to even go a little a little deeper into that one of the things that i think happens very often in this conversation between folks in a relationship is there is a fundamental lack of communicate not even lack of communication there's fundamental miscommunication there are ideas being exchanged um talking about emotional currency talking about language talking about actually communicating what is felt rather than what is just being said that happens really often it leaves people thinking that they've communicated something to someone else who is not actually picking it up. So one of the things that I think you really, you really dug into in our relationship that at at least helped me understand more of your pain, because I can understand on the surface, like, obviously this is wrong, right? Whatever. That's clear. But I think there were ways that I could only view its wrongness through my own prism. Mm. It was just wrong because it's something I'm not supposed to do. It's just wrong because, like, it shows a lack of character or weakness or whatever. It was actually very me-focused in the way that I thought about it as wrong. Um, And then obviously wrong because it hurts you, but there was a way that I couldn't empathize with with even your pain because I did not feel like you you even understood what went into that decision and that mm. that is common that's not right but that's yeah. like really common yeah one of the things that you were bringing up was just this reality that you specifically but also women as a majority love 
differently, from a different direction, i.e., it starts with an emotional attachment that tends to develop and inform a physical desire. Yeah. And that's not for, you know, all women. I, I want to make sure not to yeah, throw all women in a, you know, a, a little it's box. It's not for all women. But for me, I mean, that's what... <laughs> like, Kyle, you, Kyle always makes this joke about how, like... He's like, dang, women will just marry anybody. Like, you just throw, throw enough money on their face and they'll marry him. And it's like, yeah, because I think for many women, and I'll speak for myself, safety means more than anything. Mm-hmm. Because many of us know the really good-looking F-boy uh, who ruins lives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And it's like, your your looks are not worth the price of my emotional and physical well-being. So I would much rather be with someone who has a good heart, someone who has a pure soul, someone who is honest and forthcoming and kind and gentle than someone who looks good and then makes me feel like I don't deserve to breathe earth air on this earth. Right. But I don't always feel like men feel the same way. I feel like men, (laughs) I feel like if you, if you gave them a a realistic enough robot, if you gave them an ex machina, they'd be straight. (laughs) Well, I I think that is part of what happens here because there's an implication in your mind. If I masturbate and look at porn, you're drawing a direct line to you have an emotional desire for someone else. Or not maybe a direct line, but it implies something because, because physical interaction and sexual intimacy has so much emotion tied to it. um, For you, and and obviously it happens for men too, but in the way that men are taught to think about sex, they're not necessarily taught to think about it as an emotional interaction first or yeah. even chiefly. So what ends up happening is men characterize this at least internally and certainly amongst each other as this is a physical desire that's run out of control. My emotion is still for my wife or my partner or whomever. And that there's this like dichotomy where it almost... It's talked about as if the two can be separated in a way that it's not tainted. But for you, one, that's not even your framework in regards to intimacy. And so there's like a baseline implication that there's a lot more of an emotional betrayal happening in your head that I think very often is not expressed well or communicated between both sides so yeah. that's yeah but i like, also think that, that i also think that there's an emotional betrayal happening on the man's side and they may just not be aware of it because if it's completely i agree if, i agree yeah, like if it's completely physiological then why can you get turned off look, turned on looking at one person and not be turned on when you look at your wife yeah right because there are many men who struggle with that right um but in regards to what is actually communicated when these things come up um mm. so are you asking me what what is what did I feel? Yeah. What did like, I feel? What did I th- think that the addiction was communicating relationally? Yeah, emotionally. Oh, yeah. yeah. Today's episode is brought to you by Bella Noir. Bella Noir is a Houston based natural skin and body care line specifically formulated for women of color and darker skin tones, so you know I'm here for it. The founders of Bella Noir believe that what is created by God has unique ability to transform and heal the human body. Their products encapsulate the feeling of a luxury to help you embrace physical and spiritual healing. With products like seaweed salt and eucalyptus oil body polish, or activated charcoal and tea tree oil soap, you'll love taking care of your temple. 
Our listeners get a special 25% off discount on their products for one week after this episode airs. Use the code HEALINGCIRCLE25 to get your discount. That's HEALINGCIRCLE25 to get your discount. Grab your skincare today. Now back to our episode. Yeah, I think that definitely the the emotional betrayal was there. Yeah, but not. I don't think it was necessarily like, oh my gosh, he loves this girl on, on mm-hmm. the screen that he's watching. It was more of, I think that, if I'm being honest, I, it opened my eyes to how, how much, even in the church, the humanity of women was devalued. Because mm, yeah. it was like, man, you tell you tell a man to be loyal to his job, he'll be loyal. Yeah. You tell a man to be loyal to his barber, <laughs> he be lo- you know, I'm like, he ain't saying that he, he will go around looking, he will go Your around looking scruffy, okay? <laughs> push you back to, to last week and you'll stick with him. <laughs> and you'll go and back. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's just kind of like, nah, man, I, I just can't do that. But like, it was just weird that like the places that I saw men demonstrate the least excellence and the most lax behavior um, was always in their relationship with women. Mm. Always. Like, you can, you'll you be excellent at work, excellent in ministry, excellent in every single thing, but, like, the one place where it was okay for you to not be excellent. And that might be a safety thing. It might mm-hmm. be like, oh, this is my place online or whatever. But also it kind of felt like this is my place to dump. <laughs> you know, like, the one place, um, not just our relationship, though that was true in the very beginning, but, like, the one place that men, like never had to almost even with I'm trying to find the right words even with other men it was like the one place other men would say that another man needed the most grace and excellence was with a relationship with a woman Hmm. and it was like that was also simultaneously the one place that women got the least grace and excellence you need to look good. You need to snap back after a pregnancy. You need to make sure you're having sex with him this many times. You need to make sure you're never turning him down. You need to make sure you have a clean house. You mm-hmm. need to make sure that you look good. You need to make sure you don't embarrass him. You know, and I think for me, that was, in our relationship, that was where, like, the tension was for me. Was, like, I married into this family that was very well known, mm-hmm. where we were very well respected, and it was like I was put under a magnifying glass and I was like, you need to, you're a part of this family now. You need to A, B, C, D, E, F, G. You need to A, B, C, D, E, F, G. You know, you need to get this together. You need to blah, blah, blah. I don't know about wearing that dress, Kobe. It's a little bit tight. You're going to be sitting close to the front row. You need to, but like nobody was scrutinizing you. And yet you were the one struggling with all the things that they were trying to monitor on me. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so it was, um, I think for me, emotionally, what what hurt the most was the lack of loyalty. It felt like, it felt like, um, it sounds, sounds dramatic, but when you think about it, I mean, your partner looking at another person sexually and being aroused by that, like, it felt like a betrayal of our vows. Mm-hmm. Like, for some people, it's like, oh, watching porn's not cheating. And it's like, well, if someone meets someone online and starts sexting, is that cheating? Or no? 
you know? Yeah, yeah. And so it kind of felt like this thing where people kept trying to dumb down how painful it was. Hmm. It was like, well, you know, a lot of men deal with it. And it's like, okay, <laughs> like, that. I'm, I'm sorry, that's the reality. That doesn't change the fact that every single time it felt like... Um, like you come home and caught me in bed yeah. with someone else. Yep. Yeah. Yep, yep. And I think that that, always, that also triggered a lot of my past trauma. Yeah. That, like, I, I was always the person who, you know, in dating relationships was not chosen. If I was dating someone and they met someone, I, I hadn't been in a relationship I hadn't been cheated on. I hadn't been in a relationship where I hadn't been left for somebody else. Yeah. My relationship was, like, how was the very first relationship that 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 I had been chosen. And then it felt like I was just reliving that, oh, I'm not actually chosen. This is just the best God has for me right now. You know, like, the best God has for me is someone who's willing to commit to being with me forever, but still not choose me. Yeah. And I, I think it's important to acknowledge that this is an issue that is so warped because culture has given so much ground. Yeah. That where we stand doesn't make sense, and yet it's normal. Yeah. Because there are many, 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 many people, certainly most men, and many women as well, who would say, my husband or my boyfriend or whomever looking at porn is not necessarily the same as me catching him in bed. Now, obviously, there are some differences. Yeah. But logically based off of like what is being lost and what is being given up and what is being sacrificed, it's really hard to make the claim that they're not very different. You know, yeah. like it really is essentially the same thing. There yeah. are logistic realities that are different and there are also cultural realities and what men and women, like how they engage in relationships because you'll, there's there is the idea at least with it, amongst men that you can have a physical interaction that doesn't really touch your emotions which yeah. is foolish yeah but it's common and so yeah. that's part of where that comes from but and i also yeah, think that the word porn covers it up <laughs> you mm-hmm. know what i mean like i was talking to a friend about this i was like if we said my husband is addicted to going to watch other women who want to, to please other men sexually and he likes to go watch them and masturbate to them and then come home and hang out with me. Like, we would be like... That's some wild stuff. That we would uh, be like, that's that's crazy. Yeah. Like, you're, you're telling me that there's a place where, like, you know, a woman purposely wants to turn on some guys and they can they can pay f- to come in and, and, you know, masturbate and then leave and then go to church, <laughs> you know, then leave and then come back and then ask yeah. for sex from their wives or leave and come back and play with their kids. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. If, if we actually took the digital element out of pornography, mm-hmm. we would be appalled. <laughs> we would be much more shocked, you yeah. know. Um, but I think that sometimes it's just kind of like, it's, it's almost like we don't want to explicitly talk about what it actually is. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like... Yeah, yeah. We don't want to talk about explicitly what it is. Because there's so many things, like, if someone struggles with this or with that, we'd be like, they're not fit to leave, they need to be sat down. But if a pastor says, I'm struggling with pornography, we would be like, oh, man, how brave. And part of it is because, you know, statistically, 
yeah. The majority over of pastors 90, are. Over like, 90%. That's what I learned in seminary. Oh, was it 90? I thought it was 70. Either way, yeah. it's not surprising yeah. even as... Yeah. <laughs> Even as no one will talk about it. But I will also say for me as someone on the other side, I had to learn that it was a control thing. Yeah. That I had to learn that like for me sexuality was tied to intimacy, trust, um and that was because I was I one that's healthy for the most part. But then also I was socialized that way. Yeah. For yeah. many men as sad as it is and for someone they're going to think I'm taking a leap. But, like, sex has been always, in American culture, tied to dominance. Yeah. To dominance and control. We've control. Had a lot of conversations. Yeah, this, yeah, to control over a person. That's why, statistically, you can look at men who rape other men in jail who are not um, physiologically attracted to men. And you ask them, what made you want to rape this man knowing you're not attracted to men? And what was... what aroused them was power and control yeah right yeah it, it filters into i didn't recognize this until kobe and i started having these conversations but it even filters into the way that men um joke with each other or yeah. like try to establish dominance in social settings like yes. when men are like going at each other or roasting each other it almost always turns into some sort of sexual pejorative it'll yes. be like hey you know what man f you you can, you can S, S, S my, my D. D. And I'm like, Kyle, <laughs> like, can you explain to me that, like, why when guys are joking, when they want to degrade someone, the first thing that they do is bring in or bring up a sexual favor? Like, yeah. it's some type of sexual element? And it, it's this socialized norm where to be submissive in some sort of sexual act is to be weak, which, yeah. one, informs the way that men are thinking about women, period, yep. when very often those acts are perpetrated by women. So, yep. like, that's not great. Yep. But, two, that um, that exactly what you're saying is right, that there is a whole sub-layer, or maybe it's a, it's on top, maybe not even on bottom, but there's a layer of, of sexual reality for at least American men that is purely about dominance, yep. purely about... And, control yep Um, control conquering and so like having to learn like that what may turn on someone who is addicted to porn you know like yourself it it may not be like oh i'm even like specifically attracted to this person or that person Mm -hmm. it was more of i can control the situation yep i can control the narrative of my life in this in this way yep in this setting i don't have to be anything other than what i want to be in this setting i get to be exactly who what i who and who i want to be right and so like for me also another thing that you know this brought up for me was it it questioned what sex meant in our marriage. Yeah, I was going to get to that. Because if you. this was just something that, if this was something that satisfied, you know, your hunger for control, if this was something that was just purely physical, well, then that meant that we're not on the same page in our sexual life. And that means I'm giving, I'm giving you something that you're not giving me in sex. And it made me think, I don't know if I want to give this to you anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. And not because I'm like, oh, I'm going to punish you and you need to get your act together, partly because it was just I mean, the uh, the idea the attraction, the attraction sexually was was dwindling. 
mm-hmm. right? And it wasn't because of how you looked. It wasn't because of any of that. But it was literally because when I looked at you, I imagined you being turned on by somebody else. And that was repulsive to me. Yeah. And it was like, nah, <laughs> I'm just going to go to sleep. Because, yeah. like, or, like, when we did have sex or we did engage in things. Sorry, I'm just getting real here. It was, I was always questioning, is he thinking about me? Is he wishing I was somebody else? Yeah. yeah. You know, like, is, you know what I mean? And, like, any any suggestion and movement or anything was, is he trying to be here with me or is he trying to replicate something he's seen before? Yeah. Right? And, yeah. like, that, it just became such such a burden. And I'm grateful that God's allowed us to overcome this. But it was just... It was like, man, this is, uh, like, I am letting you (laughs) into my body. I'm letting you into a place that no one else in the world gets to be. Um, Yeah. And so it was just hard thinking to myself, like, this is me in the most vulnerable way possible as a woman giving myself to you. And, like, if this act is something that is just about control, just Mm -hmm. about release for you, then I'm giving much more than you're giving to me. Yeah. And can you even give to me what I'm giving to you? Yeah, yeah. And I think an- another thing to to maybe just to, to speak about is there is a norm, um, again, socialized, this, this culture around sex that sort of says men need sex a certain amount of times. And if you don't give it to them, mm-hmm. well, then you're just asking for trouble. In the sense that when this first came up, one of your biggest concerns that you voiced to me was like, well, is this because, are you doing this because we're not having enough enough sex? Yeah. Because we, we've talked about this freely and other things. Like yeah. our entrance into sexual intimacy in our marriage was not easy at all. So yeah, we, yeah. neither yeah. of us were having it as much as we both wanted, wanted to. to. Yeah. And so the natural thought for her was, oh, I have to do this more, even if it's not working, even if it's painful, even if whatever, because if I don't, I'm pushing him into this thing. And you know what? That that was a lot of the sentiment I learned from Christian culture. Yeah, yeah. It was, it, it was almost like women were human beings and men were animals, mm. and... And so there was a lack of accountability that we would that we should ever ascribe to men. Yeah. You know, that like no matter how hard hard it got as a woman, you need to stick it out. If it gets to a certain if it gets to level level four out of six for a man, you just need to let it go because that's he's a man. What what do you expect from him? Mm-hmm. You know, like, even I've talked to you about how I get so angry at the sermons where it's like, if your man's not showing up and being there for the kids and coming to church with you, maybe you need to ask yourself, how are you talking to him? (laughs) I'm like, what? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, if, if, if the way you spoke to a woman could completely deter her from following the Lord, she would just get dragged (laughs) <laughs> you know, if if the way you spoke to a woman deterred her from how she, you know, deterred her from from showing up for her children or her, for her husband or showing up at work. Yeah. Like if a woman had license, rather, a woman would never have license to drop all the responsibilities of her, of her life because someone talked to her in a way that made her feel degrading. Yeah. We hear that all the time, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and and so um, 
yeah, like, you know, like I had shared, I remember sharing with you, Kyle, I'd shared with an, an older person. Um, and this is, again, we're sharing from this podcast from our personal perspectives. And so this is less of my therapist hat and more of just me, Kobe, as a person. But um, a reminder that just because someone's older than you does not mean that they have wisdom. But, um, yeah, or or to be careful that you know where their wisdom stops and starts. Because yeah. they probably got some good to say about some. Yeah. But maybe not about everything. Yeah, yeah. And just because someone's older than you and inquires about your marriage doesn't mean that you have to share it with them. Mm-hmm. You know, share with who God leads you to. But, you know, I, I think we've been married for maybe three months. And, like, we kind of gotten in a, not a public spat, but, like, there were people over at our house. And I, like, kind of was like, oh, what are you thinking? Blah, 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 you know. And just just learning the limits of when to rebuke your partner in public and whatnot. And um, they were like, hey, let's get lunch together. Let's get coffee, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, and I'm feeling really excited. So a woman in Christ, very well respected in the community, go out to lunch with her. And we sit down. And um, one of the first things she says is like, you know, Kabe, you really need to get it together. And I was like... What? Um, keep in mind the thing that I like, you know, mildly flipped on Kyle for was very valid <laughs> at the time. Um, and so I'm just kind of like, wait, what do you what do you mean? I need to get it together. And she's like, well, you know, there are several women who would kill to marry your husband and several women who would kill to be a part of that family. And if you're not careful, you're going to give another woman license to do that. And it was like. It was like she was saying that I had the power within myself. Like, almost like Kyle had no lo- had no loyalty, no attraction, no, 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 no obligation to me. Yeah, yeah, like you had no responsibility. And not even the situation, but in our marriage. Mm-hmm. It was like, if you don't get it together, your husband will leave you for somebody else. Because... Mm-hmm. The underlying sentiment before beneath that was you're lucky to have him. Yeah, you're lucky, Kobe. Like and like I told you when we got married, um, our uh, traditional wedding. Mm-hmm. You know, one of my aunts came up and was like, "Wow, I never would have thought you would have ended up with someone like him. He's such a great guy. <laughs> you know, like you're very yeah. lucky." <laughs> and it was like, yeah, he he's like he's very lucky too. You know? Yeah. And I think there was this sense of embitterment that just settled into my everlasting soul as everyone in the world tried to tell me how lucky I was. Mm -hmm. You know, you're so lucky. You're so lucky. You're so lucky. You're so lucky. And and I am and was so lucky. Right. Mm -hmm. But it was the fact that they were saying that without knowing the burdens I was carrying. Yeah. It wasn't that they were saying I was lucky because I truly did and do believe that I'm lucky to be with a man like Kyle and to be with Kyle specifically. But it was the fact that they were saying it, one, as if he wasn't lucky to be with me. Mm -hmm. And then also as if I was not carrying this soul crushing burden of his addiction every single day. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like when white people... um, try to tell you how wonderful it must be to be black. Oh, like, my it God. Is. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I, I would not like to be different. I yeah. love being black. Yeah. But you don't get to tell me it's great being black. Because <laughs> you have no context. you don't know what it's yeah. like when it's not great to be black, right? And, and yeah, the yeah, same yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a perfect and, analogy. You know, I, one of the things that was almost shocking 
was how much unlearning I had to do of that social construct of one, your own sex. So mm. if you're not getting it, you masturbating is like, you, of you course have you, have, you almost yeah. have to. Like, yeah. <laughs> why? <laughs> yeah. um, you find you're in this situation because of something you're not getting, not because of something you have not, you know, done in your own heart, right? Yeah. And two, the idea that, um, like, I brought this up with a trusted leader who, again, older, wise, and the first thing they asked was, well, how often are you and your spouse being intimate? And I had to rebuke them and say, hey, whether we've been intimate once in the last year or a thousand times, it's on me. Yeah. Like, like I, I'm, a, I'm a man. I'm not a beast. Yeah. God may very well call me to be in a committed relationship and me and my spouse have sex six times a year. Yeah. My marriage is not about me getting sex. Yeah. God did not promise me my marriage yeah. in this relationship for me to have sex. That sentiment, it just blows. And, like, that, I think that's something that I love about you is that you're accountable to God, right? And yeah. Because a lot of people would have just been like, oh, well, this older guy who loves the Lord said that this could really be contributing to it, mm-hmm. right? And, like, it, it might. Like, I'm not going to lie and yeah, say, like, it, it has, oh, it it has, matters, it has sure. no bearing on it at all. No, I'm not going to say that at all. But, like, in what world could a woman go get a sugar daddy in and the first question be, well, how often is your husband buying you what you want? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yes. Like, yes. in yes. what yes. world would that be the first question they ask and be like, well, you know what? You just need to make more money and you just need to buy her, you know, more things. And maybe she won't be out here responding to these, you know, Instagram DM sugar daddies, <laughs> you know? And it 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 is, I think what was particularly hard about our situation was like you said, it wasn't when it comes to the intimacy we were having. Having, um, it was just illness. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it was. It wasn't like it was not fun for anybody. Yeah, I mean, like it was guys, much more fun for me than for her. You guys can like, but not go back and listen to some of our podcasts. But um, you know, I bled for forty something days after our. After starting on our wedding day, our on ceremony day. started uh, at five mm-hmm. and I got my period at three. Yep. And from that point on, I literally bled for 40 yeah. something days. You and, know? and the way she, her body responded to stimulus night and day for yeah. almost a year because of just different things, Yep. you know, that, that couldn't be controlled. And so yep. it could have been... Again, we've given so much ground on this issue that there were a lot of people who I would try to go to broken about like, oh, man, like I'm struggling with this. And they'd be like, well, I mean, how often is this happening? Oh, well, this is like they'd almost like have to like try to make me feel like it wasn't that That, big of a deal. Oh, my God. And I'd have to be the one be like, no, 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 no. This is um, I'm submitted to I'm submitted to God if I was single. This would be an issue. Yeah. Single and, people don't get to have sex. Yeah. You know, in, in our in our religion or whatever, in the way that we, we view it, like, they're still held to the same standard. Like, no, this is a me thing. Yeah. She hasn't done anything. There's nothing that she can do or should have to do. Yeah. And especially if it's something your wife does not 
consent to. Yeah. You know, like, I don't, if you believe it's something that's God honoring, you know, go for it, I guess. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> it, it's it's one thing when your partner consents to it. It's another thing when your partner specifically opposes it. Yeah. Like, in what, again, in what world would we say, you know what, your wife just isn't giving you enough. You can go have sex with other people. You know, like, I mean, yeah. it's not that bad. You know, you're just like... And so I think that there was... How it affected me mentally and emotionally as well. I think it just... it. I don't... It didn't make me depressed. I think it exacerbated my depression. Yeah. It just... I think it was... It was speaking for myself and my situation. Like, marriage was hard. I, I like say it jokingly but like I, mean, I really gave up everything I knew I moved to a place I didn't want to live I had no friends and a lot of like I, I'm realizing that this is the case for a lot of people specifically a lot of women mm-hmm. like it's kind of like you know we do the whole like oh, we'll let him take the lead thing and we like just give up our entire lives and we go you know kind of have to start from the ground up wherever we are professionally, emotionally, mentally, socially. Um, And it was kind of like this, like, I think the narrative in my head was, man, I gave up everything to be here with you. And like, you don't even want me, Hmm. you know? And like, that was, that was like the narrative in my head. I think that was the thing the enemy kept playing over and over again. Um, And if it wasn't for my relationship with people, with older women, and when I say older, I don't mean like old, old, but like women who are more seasoned and married for decades. Um, and it's funny because you talk about like the the responses you got. Other than that one woman, I didn't get bad responses, but mm. the women that I got to talk to were were incredible. Yeah, you know they they just had to say over and over, this is a this is a battle between him and himself. Yeah. You know, this is a battle between him and like his demons and his issues like this. This affects you, but it's not about you. Yeah. And that was hard to accept and hard to believe. But it was like it got to a point where I really got to see that it was true. Like it it, it wasn't it wasn't like he was plotting to hurt me. It wasn't like Mm -hmm. he was trying to break my heart. It was I had to reframe and really adopt the reality that this, that it was only pleasurable for him for a few minutes. And then there was a world of shame (laughs) that he lived with after and before. And, you know, and, and having to, to get to a place where I had to really let my my eyes be open to, and this is where counseling really helped. Like me being in school for counseling and being a therapist having clients and being like, wow, there's a world of pain that makes you want to run to this. Do anything to escape. There's a world of pain that has to be present for you to have to want to run to something that you don't even want to run to. Yeah, yeah. To feel like, the, the I don't even want to do this, but this is the safest place for me. You know, like, it, it was hard. It was hard, and I think that... Um, I think when we are unhealed, this is like therapist hat on now. When we are unhealed, we are most like the part of ourselves that is um, least seen, right? Mm. For most of us, that was that was us as children. 
Children are incredibly egocentric, meaning everything is about me. If mommy and daddy get divorced, it's because of me. If mommy dropped her ice cream, it's my fault, right? That's where you find kids Mm -hmm. developmentally when when their parents get divorced in middle school versus parents getting divorced in college. One's going to end up with, you know, mom and dad uh, just didn't work out. That's a college yeah. person. And the other person is going to end up with, it's all my fault. Yeah. And I can fix it. Yep. If I just, you know, if I only blink. Right. And so for many of us, when we are most hurt by people, that part of us that is least healed comes out and says, if I had just blank. Yeah. If I could only blank. Um. Yeah, if there's one thing I could say to someone who is partnered with someone who struggles with this, is that the struggle precedes you. Yep. Yep. And that is a, I mean, like, it's not necessarily a good thing, but it's a great reminder that it's not about you. Yeah. Though it affects you, though it affects your, you know, it's it, it affects the family you're building, it affects the way that you interact with a person, it, it it's not about you. Something can affect you and not be about you. Yeah. You know. And on the flip side, as as we kind of wrap up, hopefully these are conversations or, or we're able to help put framework on conversations that folks who deal with this can have in their own relationship. Even as in in our case it's it's Kobe who is the victim of of my selfishness in this, even as she has to acknowledge that this was there before before her, that it's not necessarily about her, even as it affects her directly. I also have to acknowledge that it was there before she got here and that I have real issues that have to be addressed. What can't happen is, again, because we've given up so much ground, it becomes a conversation about how she needs to become more understanding and gracious and not about how I clearly need to go to therapy. Um, And I would say every man who is dealing with this, you need to go to therapy. Yep. This is not something you can just deal with. Nope. Um, And addicted or not, doing it at all, I would say at least. Now, whatever. If you got a different opinion, whatever, you get your own podcast and you give that opinion there. My opinion is if you're doing it in any sort of consistent way, it's because you are you are self-soothing something and yeah. likely you don't even know what it is. And it makes it really, really, really difficult for the person in your life to empathize and show grace for you when neither of you even know what's wrong. Yep. It made it a heck of a lot easier if I say, Kobe, this isn't about you, even as I know it, it's tearing you up. If she also has evidence of like, well... He's saying it's not about me, and also I did come home, and he was having that panic panic attack, and that wasn't about me either, and and he did go to therapy, and he is bringing all this stuff up, and he really does, he has all this childhood trauma that, like, yeah. I kind of knew about, but neither of us really thought was a big deal, and, and all this stuff, like, it helps her be able to, to divinely love me, to take hold of something greater than herself, to love me more than I deserve, if she can actually see that it's not just lip service about me, uh, I'm stressed out and that's why I did it, or I don't even know why I did it, I, you know, I'll never do it again. Um, it, it has to be, this conversation has to be coupled 
with more emotional literacy about what is being self-soothed. Yeah. Um, and I think that, like, my... And you can attest to this, Kyle. Yeah. What breaks my heart is I think that there's so many men who are convinced that time somehow heals or invalidates their pain. And that yeah, yeah, and yeah. that social standing and social perception of certain things somehow translates to psychological impact. Yeah. Like you've gotten social- to a certain level, you should be healed. Yeah. Socially, your mom's screaming at you when you're a kid. Everyone experiences that. You know, like, mm-hmm. fin- huge finger quotations, right? Like, everyone experiences that. It's not a big deal socially. Yeah. <laughs> so, psychologically, that could not be the source of my trauma. Right? And, yep. like, me and you have had so many conversations on that. You've had so many conversations about how you're like, well, you know, this small moment comes up, but it can't be that because it's so tiny. And I'm like, no, the brain doesn't, the the brain is a social organ, but it does not receive socialization the way we do. Sexual assault now is perceived very differently than it was 50 years ago. There are women 50 years ago who are having the psychological, you know, impact of sexual assault congruent with the woman of this age Mm -hmm. who never had the space to allow it to be that impactful to them psychologically because of how other people viewed it socially. Socially, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal if your husband backhands you. It's in movies, (laughs) you know? It's funny. It's it's ha, 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 you know? Um, And they may have had anxiety or PTSD, but because socially back then it wasn't a big deal, they may have felt shame Right. They may have felt shame saying that really hurt me or I have nightmares about this or this really scarred me. And when I think about addiction to porn, it's so hard. It really breaks my heart. Um, It's so hard to honestly have have full faith that there are men who will get to experience full freedom in this. There's so many men base what should affect you and what should not affect you based on what other people think is impactful or not impactful. Yep. Right? That's why I hate those Instagram posts that are like, stop letting people control your life. Like, if they're not paying rent, they can't be in your head. That's not how our brain works. Yeah. Like, I'm not sure if you guys took Psychology 101, but that's literally <laughs> not how our brain works. Right? <laughs> like, you don't need anyone. You just got to be with yourself. No, actually, the brain literally, physiologically, withers in isolation. Yeah. You do need people. Saying you know? it is what it is is not... Is not the panacea to all your pain. Yeah. If I just say it is what it is enough, I'll be fine. Yeah. Like, no. No. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, but, like, that was a long time ago. Me and my dad, like, I don't talk to my dad anymore. And it's like, yes, you are responding socially to that. But emotionally and physiologically, when we look at the neurological transmitters that were created by those traumatic situations, you now have issues trusting anyone. And that issue you have trusting anyone rooted in your relationship with your dad is why you can't get turned on with your wife, but you can get turned on with someone in the screen because you don't have to rely on the vulnerability of someone else's response. Yep. You yep, know, yep, like, yep. and like having to like go into that and, and like it, I just pray that that people, that the church, that men, that women, that everybody, really, <laughs> now I'm thinking about it, really gets to experience healing in a way that is honest. Yeah. 
Like healing in a way that says, this hurt my feelings. This pains me. And not just bringing up the things that pain you that are echoed by the other people around you. Because I promise you, if you bring up the thing that you feel like is embarrassing or the thing that you feel like is too small, that other people will be able to echo that sentiment. It's almost like everyone's trying to hide the things that really hurt them by only bringing up the things that they think other people think it's okay for them to be hurt by. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, babe, uh, thank you for your insight and your vulnerability. Um, And honestly, just your grace, your grace towards me um, as I've struggled with this and your grace towards people like me who don't necessarily deserve it. But um, you see more than what what the rest of us see. So um, for those of you having these conversations at home, um, please don't feel like you have to be understanding uh, and gracious, but um, know that it, it's appreciated. Um, yeah, I'm gonna jump in really yeah. quickly. Um, th- this is the Jesus soapbox. Mm-hmm. If it was not for, don't say if it wasn't for the Lord on my side, you know I will I'm shout in this closet to, I'm right now. Not gonna say that. <laughs> Honestly, if it was not for Kyle's addiction, I don't think I could fully understand the breadth of the gospel. Mm. I don't think I would understand what it would mean to forgive 70 times 7. Yeah. I don't think I would understand what it means to pick up my cross daily. I don't think I would understand what it means to give grace that has been given to me. Right? Because in the moments where I'm like, God, what the heck is going on? Like, God has shown me the places in my own heart, Mm. in my own life, where I have been just as addicted to control, but in a way that doesn't affect you the same way. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, in a way, like, that God has shown me the ways that I have grieved him and the way that I've been grieved by your your stuff. Yeah. You know? And, like, I, I don't have um there are great therapists out there for this by the way but i will say personally me kobe (laughs) i don't have a a a clear reference of what it means to support a partner through this outside of my faith outside of the idea that this is being offered to me outside of the idea that when i kick and scream and mess up that god is giving me un undeserving grace that he is offering me mercy as far as my eye can see that he is giving to me all of what I do not deserve when the world says God is mad at me I found that God is always most excited to embrace me in my brokenness like that is what has fueled my ability to say I am determined to commit to Kyle in the way God is committed to me and my own brokenness yeah so yeah just thought yeah. I'd throw it out there. No, I, I think that's so important because we I don't want to have this conversation as if it is something that can just be managed. I don't think it's possible. Tuck. I think it requires some divinity. I could not. Tuck. I would have killed myself by now. The shame that I feel um, and have felt is <laughs> I, I tried to kill myself earlier in life having felt less shame, right? Like, so... The only reason I haven't is because of this unmerited favor, this grace that says, no, there's more to you 
than what meets the eye, yeah. even your eyes. And you're not qualified to see what's there, but I am. Yeah. And you know what? You know the value of... How do you know the value of something? You look at what people pay for it. Yeah. Well, you say you're not worth anything, but I gave up my son. Yeah. So you must be worth a heck of a lot more than you know. Let's stick around until you see what I'm seeing, right? Yeah. Like, that is not something, at least, I, I don't know where you get that in the world. Yeah. I hope you find it, because I yeah. want you here. But um, this is not a conversation or an issue for the faint of heart, and it's not something you can do alone, and it's not something you can do in your own strength. Um, I would say that you you need <laughs> you need Jesus for that, but yeah. regardless of however you address it, we want to be really clear that it's a fight and it's a long one. Yeah. And, um, and it's one you don't have to do alone. Yeah. And it's worth it, but yeah. it's, it's not easy. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we really appreciate you guys for joining us in this episode. It's a bit longer than we normally like, but it's a, it's a complex conversation and we want to have it to its fullness. So, um, Thank you so much. Uh, shout out to the Inner Circle. Yes. Um, you guys are great. Yes. We love you. Uh, we know that your credit score has gone up. We know that your skin is right. We know your, your scalp is, back. Yeah, you know, your scalp is, is clean and moisturized. We get it. Um, and if you want all those things in your life, join the Inner Circle. <laughs> $10 a month. Yeah. And we talk about things like this um, and other things more in depth. Uh, this is the, the filtered version yeah. of these conversations. But to, to really get in to know a little bit more about what God is doing in our lives and, and how we're processing all this stuff, join the inner circle. Yeah. Beyond that. Um, we love you guys. Yeah. Happy healing. Bye, uh, you guys. Until the circle comes back around. Bye. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in. It means the world to us. If you guys didn't know, we just reached the top 200 mental health podcasts in the US and we want to keep pushing. So make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend. Also, join our Patreon. It's $10 a month. You get mental health resources from a licensed trauma therapist. I mean, it's pretty amazing. It's an amazing family. So join the inner circle. Plus, we dropped our merch. It's been a crazy time and the slogan protect your peace has never meant more. So grab your t-shirt, hoodie, or crew neck when you get the chance and we'll see you guys next time. Bye.